VCY America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the Internet at vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk. And we thank you for joining us on Crosstalk today. Ladies and gentlemen, at younger and younger ages, young people are being exposed to pornography. The impact is being carried through the teen years and into adulthood. Many individuals are secretly struggling with porn, and those inside the church are not exempt from such a struggle. Uh, Too often, local churches ignore the problem of porn, with some not admitting it's a problem in their church. Yet for others, it's a lack of knowing, how do we deal with this issue? How do we help those entrapped by its snare? How do we gain victory? Yet we know that marriages have been shattered by pornography. Families have been broken. The vocational livelihood of many have been ruined. And adverse effects are impacting the church in a great extent. So what are we to do? How is the church to respond to this growing and intensifying problem? Well, according to our guest today, there is great risk in doing nothing. Joining us, we welcome to Crosstalk Sam Black. He's a renowned author and expert in the field of pornography recovery. He's the author of The Healing Church, What Churches Get Wrong About Pornography and How to Fix It. Also has authored The Porn Circuit, Understand Your Brain and Break Porn Habits. He regularly speaks at parenting and uh, leadership and men's events across the country. He is a director of recovery education at Covenant Eyes. Sam, thank you for joining us here today on Crosstalk. Jim, it's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me today. Indeed. Well, let's just begin by defining what it is we're talking about, because individuals will have different definitions of what porn is or is not. So when you speak or write about pornography, define what it is you're talking about. Isn't that true? There's such a broad sphere of what we think about pornography today, and that wasn't always the case. We had very clear understanding of what we might call pornography in the past. But I think it's important for us to go back and think about what did Jesus say about lust? What did he say was impactful to our hearts? And he said, if you look on another with lust in your heart, you have committed adultery. And so it's imperative for us to think about what is causing us to objectify someone else. And as Christians, we need to think about that. And because that is pornography to us, what, regardless of its Oh, maybe a little, uh, you know, let's be honest. I, I've spoken to a number of individuals who said that a JCPenney catalog, when they were young, was their initial pornography. Hmm. That's what they would continue to go back and look for. So would we call that pornography? No, but Jesus would. And so I think it's imperative not only as for us, you know, when we look at studies, we we have a general thought about what pornography is and, and how, you know, when we say two-thirds of men in the church and a third of women in the church, they have an ongoing struggle with pornography. Somehow they've created a definition of that. But you have to keep in mind that even in those studies, people can't define pornography for themselves. In fact, 16% said that a video with no storyline other than uh, showing nudity and sexual acts that that wasn't pornography. So mm-hmm. we really need to dig down yeah. into our hearts and, and ask Jesus, Jesus, what do you feel about this in my life? Yeah, yeah. Um, you write this, while the 21st century church faces many threats to its spiritual strength and purity, one of the most damaging dangers is the proliferation of pornography, the magnitude of the reach never before recorded in human history. We're going to get to the church in just a moment, but first, just looking at society as a whole, what is causing this great proliferation of porn? Well, we've been on a steady march from the 1950s through 70s to the 80s and VHS. Then in the 90s, we found the Internet. And in 2007, we uh, began using the iPhone. And today, we carry around the world's largest library of pornography ever created in the history of mankind, and we walk around with it in our pockets. Mm. And so we've often given these devices to our kids on road trips and in our living rooms and our kitchens and et cetera to pacify them or amuse them or show them something. And we've missed how much pornography is infiltrated their lives at such a young age. 
And uh, they're introduced young age, and it's gotten more and more hardcore, has it not? Oh, my goodness. Uh, it's, there's, it's said that um, if something exists in our culture or in our world, then pornography has been made of it. It is just continually pushing the envelope. And today, you know, uh, when I was 10 years old and first exposed to pornography, I was exposed to nudity, etc. But in today's culture, kids go from I don't know anything about sexuality to hardcore, uh, ugly, uh, abusive, violent pornography, degrading pornography. And so it is very shocking and very confusing. And we're often seeing kids at five, six, seven, eight years old being exposed. Right. And depending on which study you look at, the average age for first exposure is somewhere between the ages of eight and 12. Wow, wow. Sam Black with us today, author of The Healing Church, what churches get wrong about pornography and how to fix it. And Sam, there are many that may think that there is this this protective shield around the church so that it's exempt from the porn, you know, the, the onslaught of porn. Some will think that the, the matter of porn is happening someplace else. But you point out, and you mentioned earlier, two-thirds of Christian men and about one-third of Christian women say they have an ongoing struggle with porn. And also, in looking at your book, some 69% of pastors say porn has adversely impacted their church. Uh, these numbers are significantly high, and I comment on this, if you would. I think we often uh, think of our, our, our church as somehow being different. And I call that exceptionalism because maybe because of the theology of our denomination or the makeup of our church, somehow we, be get the, we get to be immune in our local congregation. And what I found over and over again, that this exceptionalism is just a lie. It's, it, we, we think it's true <laughs> because pornography can seep in in so many ways, and, and we miss how it's impacting our, our church. We need to understand that pornography is undermining every ministry in the local church, whether you're talking about children's ministries or teen ministries, men's mar- ministries, marriage, uh, even volunteerism in the church. We, pornography is undermining every ministry in the local church. Well, what about leadership in churches? Are these numbers holding true there as well? Absolutely. So let's Let's look, think about this in, in, in this term. When I say it's impacting children's ministries or teen ministries, well, we know that children are being exposed at earlier and early ages, that teens are among the most prolific users, that it's impacting men's marriage uh, and women's uh, lives. And we know that in 56% of divorce cases, a major contributing factor is someone's ongoing compulsive use of pornography. That's an, having an impact on that marriage. And if we think of um, some sociological studies as well, where they wanted to put this to the test, are, are people really, are Christians really being impacted so much by pornography? Is this really such a big deal that the church should worry about it? And they found a direct correlation between Christian studies as well as uh, studies from like the University of Oklahoma, was that there was a direct correlation between pornography use and Scripture reading, lessened prayer life, doubts about whether you, how close you feel to God, depending on how much pornography you're using. In fact, they, they found a direct correlation of the amount of pornography used and whether someone would serve in a volunteer role or committee in their church over the next six years. Hmm. But listen, uh, as I was doing research for the book, I interviewed more than 70 pastors and ministry leaders and counselors and others who had been through recovery within a safe church. And over and over again, I found that there were men and women who were st- stuck in the strongholds, and they would, when they would act out with pornography, they would go and serve their church even more or their family or others. And it was this like tossing a coin, and on one side of the coin is perfectionism, and on the other side is the shame after having used pornography. And so people would vacillate between using pornography and acting out and feeling such shame, and I can't believe I fell again, and then I'm going to get back and and try harder, and they try harder, but they can only try harder for so long. And so they may do lots of work for their church, but when they fall, then they're back to that same, oh, I'm, I failed again, and here I, I, can't, I keep 
staying in the stuck position. I'm never really finding long-term freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the defeatism rather than victory. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And what's often, I even uh, had a, a counselor in the book called this shame, this defeatism over pornography is self-hatred at my expense. I'll never be good enough. God, I'm, I can't live up to your standards. So it makes sense why so many people say, I don't feel as close to God because of my pornography use. I don't think I'm quite worthy of his grace. Maybe if I worked harder, <laughs> if mm-hmm. I served a little more, then yeah. maybe maybe then God could overlook my sin and would welcome me back into the yeah. Of course, we know that's not the way God works. Right, that's right. not the way his grace works. And and on the other hand, there are those who will try to argue, well, porn doesn't impact me. Some will even claim it's that it's morally acceptable. But you point out that prolonged pornography, as you've been saying here, there are some pretty devastating consequences. Lay that out for us, if you would. I think we often in the church simply think about an, an adult, and suddenly they are confronted with pornography, and they just need to make a good choice or a bad choice or hey, I just want to do this to feel good or whatever, and I'm really not hurting anybody. I think we need to take a deeper view of why people get stuck, how they often stay stuck without help and support, mm-hmm. and how the church can help. Yeah. And so there are three commonalities on those in the histories of people who struggle with a deep stronghold of pornography. And the first is that early exposure. Again, we said kids are being exposed at young ages, often before they even understand the basics in, uh, of sexuality. And so that brain, that young brain that's with a prefrontal cortex, that's not nearly well-developed. I mean, it's, very, it's still very much in the growing station, stages and doesn't fully develop until the mid-20s. But that feeling part of the brain, well, that's much more developed. And so it takes risk. It's more interested. It's excited about seeing new things. It has mirror neurons where when you see something, it feels like you're doing it. Uh, and it helps children learn faster. Well, dopamine also fires off in that young brain that's just seen something that they don't understand, but it's, it's activating some feelings that they don't understand as well. And dopamine also focuses your attention on that new novel thing, also when sexual cues are picked up. And in God's design, all that happens at, at a right and appropriate age, right? Where you dopamine focuses your attention to the point of tunnel vision, and the rest of the world disappears, and you're focused on your spouse. But for that young brain that's unequipped and not prepared for the day that they see pornography, it focuses their attention so much, and uh, it helps burn emotional experiences into the brain, along with norepinephrine, which is a fight or flight, is, is associated with fight or flight. And it helps burn those emotional experiences into the brain. And that's why you can ask any adult about the first time that they were exposed to pornography, they can tell you a full story, wow. even though they can't remember much about that day. That's why it's so impactful on that young brain. Mm-hmm. But the ongoing use and repetition of pornography in the teenage, often the adolescence and teenage years, helps build pathways that begin focusing attention on continued use of pornography. Okay, we're going to pick up with that after the break. Uh, We're speaking today with Sam Black, author of The Healing Church, What Churches Get Wrong About Pornography and How to Fix It. We'll be back with more in just one minute here on Crosstalk. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, scientist and president of the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, is it true that the Archaeopteryx was the transition between reptiles and birds? Chris, it's very popular to say these days that dinosaurs evolved into birds. But this doesn't square with the evidence. Evolutionists claim the ancestor of the birds is Archaeopteryx, a fossil with some features of dinosaurs and some of birds. Now, even though I would question their claim about Archaeopteryx, it's still dated at 30 million years older than the dinosaur. Obviously, the dinosaurs were not its ancestor. Even most evolutionists have given up on Archaeopteryx. It looks like they were separate right from the start. Of course, that's what the Bible says. Back in Genesis, we read that birds were created on day five of creation week and land animals like dinosaurs on day six. Evolution has it backwards. For more on creation, visit our website at www.icr.org. 
This is Crosstalk on VCY America. Our guest today is Sam Black, who has written a book entitled The Healing Church, What Churches Get Wrong About Pornography and How to Fix It. He is also Director of Recovery Education at Covenant Eyes. Uh, Sam, we were talking about this this matter of uh, pornography and uh, uh, we're talking about even that early exposure. Matter of fact, you're laying it out for us right now how this leads to devastating consequences and how a person becomes really hooked on porn and, and how it impacts the brain. And you cover that main point there of early exposure, but go ahead and take us further down this, this pathway here about how this addiction has happened, uh, so to speak, and the impact this has upon the brain. Yeah, so there's, again, there are three common factors that are true in the histories of men and women who struggle with pornography. One, is early exposure. Two, it's the ongoing use and repetition, especially through adolescence. And number three, some trauma that often happened early but can happen later. And so that early exposure, again, has a deep impact on the brain, and that's why almost everyone can tell you a story about the first time they were exposed. But the ongoing use and repetition of pornography, and especially through adolescence, help burn those that neural pathways in the brain that begin craving it more and more. But often people flip from, hey, this is feels good, to something in how I begin to manage my moods and anesthetize my emotions. And you're like, what, Sam? So people who have experienced uh, uh, wax and lax in life, whether it's a, a abuse for its physical, spiritual, or um, sexual abuse, or other things that have happened to them, or they've been uh, lax, where they felt abandoned in their home, or they're not known in their home, where um, they were kept distance, even with a, a workaholic parent, or any number of things, uh, divorce. There's many things that can happen that can be very impactful on that on a child. And often teens flip from, and even children flip from uh, this is, I'm curious about this, or it feels good to, this is how I begin anesthetizing my emotions and fears and anger and boredom, and, and all this, these triggers begin to expand. And so I, I think my story can help illustrate this a little bit. I was exposed at 10 years old, and uh, I didn't even understand the basic mechanics of sex. And I remember coming out of my Florida home and my brother was standing there with a magazine with his friend. They were leaning up against his car. And I asked what they were looking at because they were looking at a magazine sideways. And that didn't make any sense. How can you read sideways? And they turned it around. You see, I just told you a story about the first time I saw pornography, even though I can't tell you anything else about that day. But what's so uh, unusual about to different from then and today is I saw a still image of a magazine versus today's demeaning and often video pornography Mm -hmm. that shows adult bodies. It's very impactful. And I had a friend, his dad had pornography that was falling out of his closet. I could take anything I wanted. But today we're seeing uh, kids being walking around with devices that are unprotected and we haven't done much to protect these devices and they're being active. They're accessing pornography over and over again, and then again, that trauma. Though I came from a Christian home, it was a, my father was a very hypocritically violent person who is, would rage and carried that from my mom and my siblings, and so I didn't even realize that I was flipping toward seeking pornography just as an escapism. So pornography following in middle school, high school, uh, through college, and even into my marriage, but thankfully I found a safe church where I could begin unpacking that and understanding hmm. why did I, how did I get here? So you mentioned the early exposure, the ongoing use and repetition, but then you also mentioned trauma. What do you mean by trauma? Well, trauma, again, is some wax and lax. So let's think about things that are physical, hits, slaps, mistreatment, uh, sexual, emotional abuse, intimidation, manipulation, uh, absence of love and bonding. Verbal abuse might be things like uh, name-calling, criticisms, lack of affirmation. Uh, spiritual abuse, maybe even religious manipulation, uh, hellfire threats, uh, feeding toxic guilt and shame. And so there's, there's a lot of things that can be of physical, sexual, emotional, 
verbal or spiritual abuse that can have an impact uh, on that young mind. Mm-hmm. Well, along with the, the large numbers that we spoke of earlier and its impact, uh, you write that those who struggle with pornography are left wanting for help. Is, is, is the church ignoring this issue? Only about 7% of churches offer any help at all. So uh, we often just don't talk about the issue because it's, it's so shameful. It's so uh, in, our, in our culture, and especially within the church. We just let some problems lie and don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Well, we can create a safe place and a, a safe environment to begin having these conversations. Yeah, matter of fact, you write churches providing a safe place and a safe process open doors of unexpected healing. So explain what you mean by a safe place and a safe process. Right. You know, I think it, it's, it might be easy for our audience to understand that even thinking about their church or other churches that they've, that they've been to growing up, we're on, and I see churches often on a spectrum of safety. And on one side of the spectrum is a very safe church. It's okay to come as you are. Hey, we all have problems, but we're just not called to change. We're not called to live into mm-hmm. the life that Christ wants for us. Mm-hmm. And on the other side of that spectrum is a church where it's not safe, uh, where if you have problems and you're a Christian, especially a stronghold in your life, then maybe you're not part of our congregation. Maybe you just don't belong. And we're quick to condemn and, and quick to uh, tell everybody how what they're doing wrong and why they may not fit. What we need to be is a place in that center where it's okay to come as you are, even as a Christian struggling, but we love you too much to leave you the same. Mm-hmm. We love you too much just to abandon you. We're willing to walk with you on a safe process. So what does that look like? Well, there's a number of um, amazing resources from Covenant Eyes and other organizations that can really help walk people through understanding. Uh, and that that knowledge that we provide provides understanding, and that understanding precedes change. Mm-hmm. So, for example, we offer a, uh, the Victory app by Covenant Eyes. It's a free app that really helps a person understand why do I keep going back when I've said over and over again, I don't want to want to continue on this path? And how can I really live and begin stepping into real and lasting freedom? So when we have a, a process that walks us through that deeper understanding, that helps us uncover those wounds, that helps us begin taking a, a real life of authenticity, where I can come to you, Jim, and say, Jim, this is where I'm struggling, mm-hmm. and I don't know why I'm struggling. You say, hey, Sam, I understand where, I, I believe I understand a little bit about where you're at, but I'd totally be willing to go with you on this journey, and we can download the Life Change Workbook from Covenant Eyes, or we can go through this vic- these victory courses together. And as we learn and grow together, maybe we can also seek some uh, Christian counseling that can help us begin taking a path that leads to true freedom and not just simply, hey, that was really bad, that uh, Sam, that you struggled last week. I'll just pray for you right now, and, and then I leave you, right? You say, no, Sam, I'm not going to leave you. I'm willing to walk with you on a journey toward lasting freedom. Mm-hmm. Now, listen, God can do anything. He frees people of their addictions and other issues uh, instantly. I believe that. But most often, and especially it seems with the issues of pornography and unwanted sexual behaviors, he calls us on a journey of of childlike faith where we have to lean in and trust on the body of Christ, where we get to practice James 5.16 to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another that we may be healed. You you actually talk about in your book here, The Healing Church, that there are many who will try and battle with the struggle on their own uh, without any one to come alongside. But you write of the importance of ally relationships and accountability as well. And that's a very important aspect, is it not? It's such an important aspect that we need one another. 
uh, that is the body of Christ. At how often does the Bible talk about one another? Uh, even in Ecclesiastes 6, where if I fall into a ditch and I don't have anybody around to help me out, well, I'm stuck. But if I have someone, then I can get out. Mm-hmm. If if someone comes against me, I might be able to fight them off, but two can defend themselves, right? So Ecclesiastes is very, Ecclesiastes is very clear about that. Nobody, I've often heard people say that nobody gets out alone. We need one another. And left to my own devices, I will go back to the lies that pornography and other things have taught me over time. I spent a lot of time struggling with pornography. And only when I began opening up to fellow believers, other men who would walk with me, then I could really begin uncovering all the issues in my life and all the lies that pornography taught me to believe. And that's where that safe process comes in. Mm-hmm. Is not only do I have men that are I can lean into uh, and I can call when I'm struggling, but now I'm on a safe process where I get to live in greater free freedom. So often we worry about the one overriding issue that's so impactful on our life. But when we begin taking a journey like this, not only do we think about how this sin in our lives is impacting us, but also what are the what's behind those closet doors? Can we open those up? Can we light up the, the, the dark corners in the room and begin examining that? And so I'm it, for instance, here's a, a perfect example. I might say to my friend, hey, uh, Jim, I've, I've been, I, I, I acted out with pornography today. And you go, oh, my goodness, what, what, you should have called me beforehand, but I'm glad you called me now, and let's, let's immediately cover this in prayer, but let's, let's talk about this. Why, why did you struggle? Oh, I don't know. I just felt, you know, I had a bad day. Oh, well, Sam, you had a bad day. What, what went on? Oh, well, I just didn't have a good day at work. Well, what happened at work? <laughs> and you began pressing it a little deeper and a little deeper. And yeah, my boss yelled at me. And how did that make me feel? And I began defining my emotions and how I felt. And, uh, you know, whether that made me feel like small and lack of self-worth. And I made me remember as a child, maybe I, I had a lot of verbal name calling and things in my life uh, when I grew up. Maybe I had some physical abuse in my my growing up years. And and so we can begin uncovering that so that the next time those kinds of things happen, not only have I identified how I'm feeling, I can begin thinking about how do I react to those feelings instead? Mm -hmm. How can I call you, Jim, have a supporting conversation that takes me down a redemptive path rather than a negative path? Yeah. Friends, you're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. Sam Black is with us today, and uh, we're discussing the healing church, what churches get wrong about pornography and how to fix it. We're going to take a a break here, and uh, when we come back, just a little more discussion between us. We'll also be opening phone lines here today on the program for your questions uh, that you have for our guest today. Uh, You're listening to Crosstalk on the VCY America Network, and uh, certainly... The church has a role of uh, healing, a healing ministry, and how to have victory over pornography. Back in just one minute here on Crosstalk on the VCY American Network. The New England Primer was introduced in Boston in 1690 by Benjamin Harris. It was the first textbook printed in America. For a century after its introduction, it was the beginning textbook for students, and until well into the 20th century, it continued to be a principal text in all types of American schools. The founders, as well as millions of other Americans, learned to read from the New England Primer and the Bible. The core of the Primer is its rhyming alphabet such as for letter A, in Adam's fall, we send all. The letter G, as runs the glass, man's life doth pass. It also included lessons for youth, Bible questions, and a shorter catechism. A pocket-sized hardcover edition of this 1777 historical reprint is available for a donation of $9 or more by calling VCY at 1-800-729-9829. Ask for the New England Primer. 
Sam Black, our guest here today on Crosstalk, his book called The Healing Church. And uh, just before we go a little bit further into the book itself, Sam, uh, where is it people can get a copy of your book, The Healing Church? Wherever you normally buy books online, you can find it available. If you'd like to download the first chapter and introduction, you can also download that for free at thehealingchurch.com. Okay, thehealingchurch.com. And uh, we, no doubt, have many a pastor that are listening right now, or, or church leaders, and perhaps scratching their heads, Sam. A pastor saying, you know, I didn't have a course on this in Bible college or in seminary um, on, on dealing with this matter of pornography. I, I'm guessing it's a problem within my church. Where do I begin? How do I start this process? How do I seek out individuals who may be longing for this help and are not even aware of it? Right. And that, those are all good and legitimate questions. That's why I wrote The Healing Church in the first place. I didn't write this book to the average person who was struggling, although many are buying it and, and also buying copies for their pastor. Mm-hmm. I wrote this book as a, a primer to help pastors and ministry leaders really gain a better understanding of why people get stuck and how they often stay stuck without help, and again, how the church can create lasting and meaningful change in people's lives. So often in the church, we've often thought, well, you know, this is, uh, this is an issue and a struggle that guys and men and women will just have to live with and confront the rest of their lives. And while that may be true in a sense, we kind of excuse that, hey, this is, you'll, you'll have failures and falls throughout your Christian life. But the truth is, we can live in freedom from pornography. Now, there's some who go, oh, yeah, that's of course true. I've never had any interest in pornography. It doesn't call my name at all. I don't know why anybody would struggle with that. Well, that's where we want to take people who are struggling with pornography and move them over with a renewal of their mind where pornography no longer has this pull on them, Mm -hmm. Uh, that they can live in a culture that's very sexualized and not feel this constant tension and pull that's dragging them toward pornography. That's what the kind of freedom we're talking about looks like, where we can live in that kind of peace. So often we want the perfect solution and we want to do everything perfect right away. Mm -hmm. And what happens is so often uh, we procrastinate and procrastination kills good intentions and perfectionism kills good intentions too. Most churches don't need a perfect solution to address pornography. They need a first step. And so that's among the things that I outlined in the Healing Church. How can we begin taking those first steps? And so I broke them uh, down uh, into different categories for for different churches because some are at different stages. One is what I call an easy lift. And these are trusted action steps that are easy handoffs, uh, whether it's software or educational resources that a pastor can say, hey, here's a resource. I've got these. I know what what they look like, and and here they are. Uh, You've got trusted organizations from Covenant Eyes to Pure Desire to Be Broken Ministries, et cetera, that can really come alongside you. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. There are tools already ready to use. Uh, The second one so we have easy lift, what I call a small lift, they are plug-and-play programs, a medium lift that you need to do some basic training to help people engage with these, and then a large lift that looks more like a full recovery program, whether it's regeneration recovery or celebrate recovery or some other things that really have to allow you to have a full-fledged discipleship mm-hmm. ministry. You have an important chapter in your book on guarding the next generation. Tell us why this is so absolutely critical. So often, our parents just don't um, understand why, well, we're not doing much to help our kids, especially within the church. Let me just come back to that. And we often have, believe, five myths. And I've seen these myths over and over again, both from parents as well as the church. And number, myth number one is my child is a good kid and they would never be curious about sex and they never look at pornography because they're just too young, right? 
but we miss how pornography is coming after our kids. It's not if they'll be exposed, but when. And it's so hard for that neurochemistry to be undone when when, when kids are seeing it. They're, we need to equip and train our kids. Mm -hmm. And I talk about how we do that in that chapter. Number two, my child saw it, they just look away because they're good Christian kids. They've never, it would never draw their attention. Dopamine wouldn't have any impact on their mind or brain. Uh, they would not be curious like I was curious as a child. Number three, the measures I have in place are good enough. And this typically means we're occasionally looking over the shoulder to see what's on a screen. And this is not effective and it's not working. Um, I can't tell you the number of parents I've spoken to who said their first exposure to pornography happened on my watch, in my kitchen, in my living room, in the back seat of my car when we were on a trip and, and grandma is in the passenger seat, I'm in the driver's seat, and when the kids say, hey, we're going, they, this is a, actual, an, an actual true story where they were on a, a trip with to a, a local state park and the cousin and uh, a friend is in the back seat and so they mom they ask hey we'd like to look up uh, about the state park we're going to some activities and one of the the cousin says hey i dare you to look up this word and that became that child's first exposure to pornography at mm -hmm. about eight years old mm -hmm. so we see this on a regular basis mm -hmm. boys are the only, number four boys are the only ones who struggle we don't need to worry about our girls I remember a 15-year-old girl coming up to uh, me at one of our Covenant Eyes booths, and she said, I brought my dad here to sign up for Covenant Eyes because when, uh, when I was eight years old, I heard some boys say some words I didn't understand. So I asked my dad for his phone, and he handed it over, and I looked up those words, and that was my first exposure. And I would continually go back to my mom and dad, but they didn't allow me to have my own phone. And I would intentionally seek out pornography from the ages of eight to like almost 11. And they never knew any different until just by accident, I'd forgotten to cover my tracks because mm -hmm. I'd been good at covering my tracks. Mm -hmm. So not just our boys, our girls too. And number five, if, my, if I talk to my child about pornography, they will just become curious and search for it. And what we can see over and over from professionals in this field and counselors and others that good age-appropriate conversations to help them understand what pornography is can help them defend themselves. Friends, you're listening to Crosstalk. I'm opening our phone lines today to take your questions on this topic, uh, the healing church, what churches get wrong about pornography and how to fix it. Our phone number to Crosstalk, 800-733-9829. That's 800 800- Seven three three nine eight two nine. Certainly, the the hook is there, the help is there as well, and that's something that you're seeking to convey here, Sam. That that there is indeed hope, there is indeed victory available. That's right. We not only can we teach our kids to be resilient in the face of the sexualized culture, that we can teach our kids to turn, run, and tell when they've seen pornography or when someone has tried to show them pornography, uh, we can, so we can, we can help them manage through their childhood and adolescence to fight back against pornography in their lives. And as adults, we can learn to live in freedom and we can help one another. So maybe you thought, hey, this isn't my problem, but you know what? It certainly is for somebody in your church. Mm -hmm. Or maybe your church isn't quite as big as it could be because we're not trying to, we're not offering this kind of help. And so it is continually continuing to isolate people and keep them distant from their feelings of closeness to God. So what if we were more compassionate? What if we were willing to say, hey, I will walk along with you? Now, what's so cool is I did this, the research for this, again, interviewed more than 70 pastors and ministry leaders that set up for this book. What I found over and over again from pastors telling me, Sam, you've got to understand this is important. All the studies you talk about where uh, scripture reading and closeness to God and lack of volunteerism happens in the church, all that gets reversed. Uh, where churches were doing this work well, those who were in those programs were diving deeper into their faith 
into their scripture reading, into their prayer life, greater attendance in church. And pastor was saying over and over again, I don't do more work now, I do less. Hmm. Because those who have come through a faith process have come on the other side and said, hey, pastor, I'll do that. I can take that on. I'll do, I'll volunteer for that. Oh, you want uh, someone, this person needs some discipleship. I can do that. We can, (laughs) people who go through a safe place and a safe safe process can't help Mm -hmm. but want to give that away. In fact, it's part of the program. Let's go to the phone lines. Joe is calling from uh, Racine, Wisconsin. You're on the air. Yeah, um, you know, it it comes to mind, as a a child, as a two-year-old child, I witnessed a little girl get raped and murdered in front of me, and... uh, this is back in 1967 when I was two years old. And, uh, you know, I see that through the, the whole United States is, is messed up with it. You know, it's on TV. It, it, anybody that watches, any child that watches TV from the time they were a kid, going all the way up, it kind of programs them into that. And the thing is, a lot of little, you know, the... The whole abortion thing is all about that. You know, if these people were following God, they wouldn't do that. They would have a family, you know. They would keep their kids. Um, Our whole United States is going to go down now very, very low because of it, you know. It has great impact. Joe, do you have a specific question for our guest? Well, just, you know... I'm just praying for everybody, praying for this problem, that it would go away. Well, it's not going to go away, and certainly he talks about, uh, Sam, what's happening on television, and what was once forbidden on television, not heard of on television, it's become mainstream on television now, and if not, the programs, the commercials. Yes, indeed, there has been a deeper sexualization of our culture. Uh, What would it be? The, what the courts used to call obscenity is now allowed, mm-hmm. where the Supreme Court has never uh, over changed that stance. We've just not prosecuted it anymore. Yeah. Thank you for the call here, John. Let's go to Bob next. Bob, you're on the air. Uh, thank you, Jim, for taking my call. I do have a comment and a question for your guest. Uh, the verse I have in mind is uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It speaks about a sin which does so easily beset us. Mm-hmm. And I would like to just get your comments, and I'll listen off the air on that besetting sin issue. Okay, thank you. Yep. Sam? Yes. And, I, you know, without a doubt, uh, pornography is... It so, can be so impactful on that young mind uh, and on that young teen, and, so, and boy, it is just so difficult. Yeah. You know, it makes me think of the Apostle Paul where he talks about in Corinthians 6.18 that the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Hmm. In Paul's eyes, he's not saying that this is worse than another. Instead, he's just divinely warning us. He's warning us to pay attention. Yeah. That sexual sin is more damaging to the person than mind, body, and and that it detonates around to our relationships around us in our life with God. Indeed. So, so impactful. It does. A besetting sin that takes us off course and uh, hit the nail on the head. Thank you. We'll take more calls after the break. This is Crosstalk. For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. Our website is worldviewreport.com. Since February 2018, after Captain Udell Myers, U.S. Marine retired, warned me, about the coming military draft or a push thereof, I began to do a lot of shows on that topic with him, in fact. Well, sure enough, a commission was formed by Barack Obama as he went out the doors of the Oval Office along with John McCain, and the two of them formed a commission to study drafting America's daughters. They released the report in March of 2020, and as we expected, the commission is recommending to Congress to draft girls. Now we have the retired admiral, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mike Mullins, telling NPR families need to have a conversation around the dinner table about the drafting of their sons and their daughters. Now, Military.com has an article by retired military officer saying we need to bring back a limited draft. Pay attention. Do you want your children being drafted to fight a foreign war?
The book is called The Healing Church. Its author, Sam Black, is with us here today on the program, and uh, you can find it available or download a complimentary chapter there at thehealingchurch.com, thehealingchurch.com. Right back to the phone lines to Bridgeport, West Virginia. Al, you're on the air. Brother Jim, thanks for taking Brother Sam, thank you for, for your work here. Uh, it's very important. Um, our stories are very similar. Uh, I was introduced to pornography in 1980 when I was 10 years old, and I was healed in 2007 when I renewed my mind with my Lord. And I realized, and what you said earlier in the program about what Jesus said, having lust in your eyes, you've already committed adultery. So every man that's out there that's married to your wife and you're still looking at porn, you're cheating on your wife. And, and you've got to stop it. And it's just, but everywhere you turn, Jim, as you know, and you too, Brother Sam, as you know, you can't go anywhere without seeing what they deem uh, soft core or, or what you, you can label right. whatever you want. It's right. still pornography. Indeed. Indeed. Um, so, and, and you just got to pray for folk and, and, and that they can get away from that. It's, you, like you said, it's, it's, it's a crutch when, Say you, you've you've brought up with not a lot of self esteem, and you're just trying to uh, you know act out. I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but listen, I just want to pray for everybody who is addicted to that. It took me 27 years before I woke up and, and realized how wrong it actually was. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I want to say God bless all you saints too. Great. Thank you, Jim. Thank you for the call here today, Sam. He used a term that I heard you use earlier in the interview, and that's renewal of the mind. That is so important in this. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, and you know that's it's both it's a mind, body, and spirit renewal. Mm-hmm. What's amazing is God wants to renew our spirit. He wants to renew renew our soul, uh, uh, but we uh, we can also do things in our lives that are more accountable about how we treat our bodies. Are we eating well, sleeping well? Are we doing things that are proactive in our recovery journey? Uh, When we are saying yes to what God has for us, and we are saying no to pornography and other things, uh, we are literally changing the neurology of our brain that begins a a true renewal of the brain from a neurological level. So (laughs) it is not... We sometimes... I want to over-spiritualize it, and I don't want to under-spiritualize it, but what the Bible is teaching us is true on a very physical level. Yeah. We've got uh, Justin next in Middleton. You're on the air, Justin. Thank you so much for taking my call, and um, I appreciate you guys being having the courage to address an issue that, um, as your guest spoke about, um, the Church is, is very scared to address. And, um, and so... Um, so my personal journey is that um, I attended biblical counseling, and that's what really helped me get through my journey, and I'm still um, dealing with it, you know, and working through it. Um, but uh, biblical counseling is, 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 is a vital resource um, to help you, you know. Yeah. And one of the acronyms that I learned through my counseling is the acronym of HALT, Hungry, Angry, Lonely, and Tired. And so when, when you tend to struggle most in whatever area it is that you're struggling with, whether it's alcoholism or pornography, it's when you're hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, and so it's to be, uh, it's smart to be aware of those things and to and to really cry out to the Lord and ask for His 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 help in those moments. And mm-hmm. um, and and then when you do that, the Lord promises that He will um, He will provide you a way out. It says that in His Word. And so I just wanted to encourage out those those out there that are struggling that um, there is hope. Um, Jesus offers hope in His Word, and um, and just in closing. You know, when, what my counselor would say is, is you can't just stop doing it. You have to stop doing it, and then you have to replace it with something better, mm. better known as you know, the Word of God in mm. prayer. And so you have to fill that void that you're filling with um, accessing that stuff with something that's good, that's going to replace yeah. it, and going to fulfill you. Thank you, Justin. Thanks for taking my call. Sure, thank you for the call. That replacement uh, with the Word of God. I mean, uh, when we're dealing with this sin issue of, of, of the heart, um, we've got to have the Word of God. That's our foundation for giving us that 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 hope and help through this. And that is true. Uh, and and you know, God made us for enjoyment. He made He gave us this physical life to uh, to explore and enjoy so many things. And so often we. Uh, uh, I, I love singing, and so I found that when I am singing, it's it's it, 
when I sing praises to God, it enriches my heart mm. in many ways. Now, that might not be true for others. Maybe you enjoy running or doing other things. God gave you that physical body yeah. to enjoy, and so use it in God-honoring ways and not uh, in, in, in sinful ways. And number two, I'll, I'll just add to what the caller said. One, he reached out to a counselor. Thank God he did. I'm so glad he was reaching out to a biblical counselor to help him. But authenticity, I also want to say that it's important to bring others into your life. We talked about those one another mm-hmm. earlier. Mm-hmm. Because that authenticity with another person builds that intimate connection that is contagious. And when within that safe space, people hear you are a problem. Or you're a person and not a problem. Mm-hmm. Your identity is found in Christ. Amen. Let's get to Aaron in London, Kentucky. You're on the air. Thank you guys for the message today. Um, we see that King David sinned with the uh, lustful eyes on Bathsheba. Mm-hmm. And we're all human, that tells us. Um, but my question is... Well, we're what, all, we're all sinners. We do, <laughs> Go ahead. What can we do if you have uh, a teenage child where you've not brought him in up in uh, church, and then now you're you're saved and you're going to church, and now you're, this kid, these kids are around... Uh, the 18-year-old age where you can't take their cell phone, they're, they're becoming adults, yet how do you get, how do you, what steps do you take to try to reach that to make a change in their lives? Okay, it comes down to biblical principles here, Sam. We're, sadly, we're just 45 seconds left. Go ahead, what would you like to share? Well, it is a difficult situation when your kids are adults and now you're trying to bring them in. I say lead with example. Be the example you want others in your life to see. Help them understand. Introduce these concepts as best as you can. Uh, I think the healing church is mm-hmm. one example of where you can begin learning and understanding why people get stuck and why it's so important to address these issues. Let me just squeeze in Daniel here in Duluth. Daniel, you got a verse for us today? Yeah, quite a few, but I'll keep it short. Stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has freed us and do not be entangled in yokes of bondage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, keep your mind on things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, and we have to hate sin and flee from it. Indeed. Thank you. And our theme music is playing here at the end of the program. Thank you for your call. I wish we had more, because our foundation is the Word of God through all of this. And, uh, friends, uh, the book is called The Healing Church, thehealingchurch.com, the website. And, uh, Sam, thank you for being with us today. Jim, honored to be with you today. Sam Black, uh, author of the book, is with us here today. And, uh, friends, there is hope, there is victory that's available. And, uh, yes, indeed, the Word of God is foundational. God bless you, folks. Thanks for joining us on Crosstalk. You've been listening to Crosstalk via satellite and the Internet from VCY America. Views expressed may or may not be those of this station. For a CD of today's program, send a donation of $6 or more to VCY Take Ministry, 3434 West Kilbourne Avenue, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53208. Or download by RSS or podcast from crosstalkamerica.com. And join us again for Crosstalk. Crosstalk.